0: Welcome to PR360, where every week the brightest minds in
1: public relations, communications, and media discuss the topics and trends you need to know about. PR360 was produced in partnership with Global Results Communications. Now here's your host, Todd Perry.
0: Welcome back to PR360. Nancy Luong is a successful Fortune 500 senior marketer, financial content creator, keynote speaker, university educator, and DEI advocate. Currently, she is a digital program manager at Salesforce and the leader in residence at Cal State Long Beach, where she helps by speaking and teaching students about how to start their careers. Nancy is a proud first-generation daughter to Vietnamese and Chinese immigrants. Last year, she became a best-selling author after publishing the how we got here journal. So, Nancy, is there anything I missed?
1: Um, nope. Well, I guess there's one thing. Okay. I am currently Ms. Southern California. Ah, okay. <laughs> and I'm blushing as I say that. So, if that's if that's an interesting fact.
0: <laughs> no, okay, so there's a Miss Southern California. So, in which in which like pageant is this, or which um, competition? Yeah.
1: So there's a pageant in Long Beach um, held by Justin Rudd, who is a community leader, and he has a nonprofit called um, Community Action Team. So he holds the pageant every year. Um, It's for people in Southern California or in Long Beach and really intended to give back to the community. So yes, I recently won last November. um, I signed up the day of and I ended up winning. Wow, (laughs) that's
0: pretty good. That's a
1: fun fact. (laughs)
0: Were they they just like, make a speech about a world event, and you're like, I have it already, or what?
1: Yeah, they were like, here's some questions, answer them, and, you know, do your best, and I was not prepared, but I just let it, you know, I was organic about it, Um, and, and, you know, I went in not expecting to win, I was thinking, well, maybe I have a chance, but I get to meet great women along the way, and so it was a huge surprise when I actually ended up winning
0: Wow. Well, talk about the most well-rounded guest we've had on the show so <laughs> far here. Um, so uh, let's talk a bit about your book, uh, "How We Got Here." The uh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, how we got here uh, journal. If If I'm not wrong, it's it's a book where basically it's it opens up discussions uh, in immigrant families. Am I correct in saying that?
1: Yeah. No, that's perfect. So I created a journal. For people to ask their parents or loved ones questions about their history, you know, if they were immigrants, how did they get to America or maybe their grandparents, and then also asking them questions um, about their upbringing. And I think that's really beneficial to learn about how your parents grew up because I realized a lot of the way I am is because of my parents and how they are is because of how they were raised. And so I was seeing a lot of generational patterns being passed down, down to me that no longer really Became a value anymore, and mm-hmm. so um, you know it's it's a hybrid of learning about your family's history and how they really got to where they are today, but also the upbringing. So from a psychological level, you can understand why your parents are the way they are.
0: Oh, that's good. Now, do you? <laughs> I, that's something I like to know. Uh, so, do you think that there's a reluctancy, uh, in, a reluctance in immigrant households to talk about the past or where they're from, or were your parents fairly open about it?
1: Yeah, I think it's very common for um, anyone with an immigrant background or most for us to not to be able to share or speak about it because um, I can speak, you know, for our community, the AAPI community, it's often said and what I've heard is that parents don't like opening up and talking about their history and also um, it's really hard to get deep and Mm -hmm. so having deep conversations. It's very surface level or, you know, even tough love. And so I'm breaking down that barrier because what I've learned is, even though, you know, my parents were tough in a way, they're really soft inside, but no one's really taken the time to ask them, but it does take time to get them comfortable because it's not something we're used to with having these types of discussions. Yeah. And you know I think it's really therapeutic in a way for them. It may be um, difficult in the beginning, but I do I've seen and heard from a lot of people using my book that it's been there's been a lot of breakthroughs because of it.
0: Now, why do you think there's that reluctance to talk about the past, the pre-coming to America times?
1: Yeah. For several reasons. One, I think that um, there's a lot of trauma involved. So, you know, a lot of survival mechanisms, so being in survival mode. And I think that it's kind of hard to look back. Um, but I think another reason is because a lot of people don't know how to communicate. <laughs> we just often don't talk about things, you know. We don't have the time, space. Everyone's on the go. No, like, you know, when we're sitting down, we're talking about each other's day, you know, what's the present day. And perhaps a little bit of the past, but not really History and, and by history I mean someone's upbringing and someone and how um, families immigrated here. So there's no s- safe space I would say or time, but my book allows that conversation to happen in a way that's a bit more natural in the sense that I think a lot of people that I've talked to that have used my book have said, like, when I asked my parents questions before without your book, they'd be like, why are you asking me that? <laughs> like, Why are you up in my business? You know, oh my gosh, this is, this is awkward slash uncomfortable for me. But having something like, oh, I bought this book or my friend gave me this book. It's kind of like an excuse, like a little... Um, pushing to say like, oh, okay, that's interesting, but I will answer those questions. So it kind of gives it like a good excuse, people get excused to um, answer these questions in a safe way, but also having the right questions or maybe um, options of what questions to ask.
0: It seems to me like the book allows both sides of the relationship to kind of save face and have the discussion at the same time, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, so how did you come up with these questions?
1: i came up with them myself <laughs> i came up with these questions because um, during covid i was seeing a lot of people um, close friends of mine included lose um, their parents and they would say every person that i i knew would say i wish i knew more about my parents i wish i would have stopped to ask some questions i wish i would have you know really knew more about them and now i don't have any history line and i don't really know how they were how they grew up um so i came up with these questions because um they're really deeper questions, I would say, that it's not like, hey, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite color? Where's your favorite place to go? It's, it's questions about people's upbringings, questions, specific questions about if you did, um, if you did come or have a journey of some sort, what what were the details of that? And some of the questions in there also include questions about um, what parents would want or grandparents or whoever, about their celebration of life, meaning that mm. so many people here, I feel, don't really talk about death and right. you know the things that they want at a celebration i feel of someone's life and so I, I saw too because of um my friends losing their parents that it was such chaos during that time of like, the funeral of money of what should we do and all these things so i wanted to include questions too that made it safe and it wasn't like um awkward or weird but normalizing that type of conversation as well hmm. like what do you want to do having that beforehand so that If and when it comes to that point, you know, people feel at peace with knowing what their parents or whoever would love for them to
0: celebrate their life. And so you briefly touched upon the fact that in going through this with your parents, that you learned that there were certain kind of behaviors and habits that they brought into your upbringing, which didn't necessarily apply anymore because you're in a a different time in a different context. Uh, What were those revelations?
1: Yeah, so one thing I would say is I really grew up, like most Asians, with tough love. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I saw love myself, and that's how I expressed love. And I realized I didn't like that. I didn't like – you know, I didn't like um, – for myself, treating people with tough love as, in a way of, hey, I'm helping you by telling you this harsh truth, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, so People don't need to hear that. I'm not a therapist, and I'm not here to save people. But I thought in a way, this is how you're supposed to communicate because it's out of love. And so like that, for instance, I've softened up so much now. Whenever people talk to me, I listen. I validate how they feel. I only give feedback if asked. That is totally opposite of how I grew up, which is, <laughs> I'm going to tell you. How I feel whether you like it or not and it's gonna be super harsh and that's how I grew up most of my life and so you know I'm changing those types of generational patterns um, as well as how I um, show up like for instance uh, my parents say, I love you. They never hugged. They mm. were more acts of services. Like Asians love cooking to show love. And right. I did not know that growing up. Mm. <laughs> so I actually thought it was the opposite. I'm like, well, I have enough food. Why do you guys keep buying the same things for me? But I didn't know that's how they like to show love. And so, you know, I have taught my family um, and I say teach because I literally have to be like, okay, this is, we're going to hug without cringing everyone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ready? Go. You know, mm. and it took a long time. And so is and so saying, I love you. Like my parents say, I love you now, but they never grew up with that because their parents never told them they loved them and their yeah. parents never hugged them. So it's like getting all these generational patterns that are passed down that really don't serve us anymore.
0: Wow. That's, that's heavy. But it, I guess yeah. there's something nice in learning the love language. And oh, yes. geez, I should have appreciated that. But because you kind of grew up in a different culture then than, I mean, you, you you might have missed a display of love and affection that might have been comforting to you at a certain point if you knew what it was, right?
1: Yes, exactly. That's why it's really good to learn all these things. Love languages, attachment styles, mm. you know, can name more, but um, it's really beneficial to learn how people work because we often create stories in our heads about people. And, and I think this is a huge part of, having a book like this or a journal, because we create our own stories. But when we can hear the story and the narrative from our own parents' mouth, it's so different of, you know, groundbreaking stories you would have never heard of if you didn't ask or know about because you're like, wow, that's why you're this way. Okay, I get that now. And I think having that compassion and empathy is so important too. Yeah.
0: like I I wish I had this book when I was five, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, you know it's it's funny because as, as you're saying this uh i don't mean to bum out the people on the show but recently mm-hmm. i lost my father and he was from west virginia which is obviously not the same culture shock uh as somebody who's from vietnam or, or china coming to america but in southern california huntington west virginia is a Bit of a different place in many ways. And my dad was from there, but I never knew anything about it because he didn't want to talk about where he was from because it, it was it was West Virginia and it was very rural and it was kind of backwoods, I guess one would say. Yeah. And I think he just wanted to move away from it. But then when he passed away and I had to write his like obituary, I didn't know much about it. or But I knew that that was an animated Mating thing to him to make him move west and go to California and go to opportunity uh, away from a place that was very prejudiced and very you know uh, not the most not as progressive I would say yes in Huntington West Virginia but if so, if I would have had something like this it would have been a good excuse to learn more about like his evolution. Or, you know, or some of the things and ways he talked to me about certain things uh, that maybe didn't have a place here that might have been West Virginia. Uh, What are some of the revelations that people have told you that that bought your book and and used it, for for lack of a better term, used it on their family? Uh, Are are there any great revelations that you've heard about from people?
1: Yeah, you know, I've heard so many revelations. And I will say one is... A lot of, a lot of feedback I've received is, um, especially from immigrant kids is, um, that they didn't realize their parents really love them
0: or do love them. And yeah.
1: And so, um, there, there's a huge barrier of communication between immigrant parents and their kids. And I think that's one, um, another, I recently heard, um, one of the students that I work with at Cal State Long Beach, she told me that she felt like her mom hated her and wow. resented her. And when she was asking her the questions, she w- she said, "I realize she doesn't she doesn't resent me at all, but she just wished she had the life, the privileged life that I have. Oh. And it's her trauma that she's projecting on me.
0: Oh. So."
1: If that makes sense, because she'll always tell yeah. her daughter, the girl I know, like, well, you're lucky you even know this or do this or, you know, you have the privilege to do this. And, and it's always like this negative energy towards her. And she always just thought, like, gosh, she must really not like me, not love me because she treats me so badly. But she realized asking these questions. Her mom came from Mexico at a young age, you know, how to rebuild and has this type of resentment of the privilege her daughter has. Mm-hmm. And so she realized this has nothing to do with me. Right. And I think that's a huge revelation. A lot of people are having how our parents are, how they act towards us. Um, the the negative parts doesn't really have to do with us per se. I mean, maybe sometimes it does. (laughs) Okay. But a lot of it is projection or, um, something they see in themselves that they don't like, or they want to like mold you into something. So it's, it's really riveting to hear these types of stories and revelations.
0: Yeah. You know, like, uh, accidentally before we started recording here, you had my son pop in, just walking in on dad's job. But <laughs> yeah. I I, I would think that even though, uh, I would think that it's almost somewhat emotionally healthy in some way, that if you came from a war-torn place or someplace where you really had it hard and your kid has it 10, t- ten times easier and they weren't taking every opportunity, you know, that that it would be, Extremely frustrating, you know. So I could see that in the parents, uh, from the parents' perspective. And it's great that a book like this can open up that dialogue where people can go, okay, (laughs) let's let's lay it out on the table, you know. Uh, Wow, I think this is really heavy. And I think think there should be an excuse to have this book in all parent-child relationships.
1: Yeah, I mean, on a lighter note, I will say I personally have found hysterical stories about my dad like just like stories where I'm laughing unconditionally because I'm like you did what (laughs) when and okay this explains a lot about you now And, and so I will say there are so many great stories and you know even writing this I found out that my grandpa on my mom's side used to be a journalist himself and had a passion of you know um writing and um you know he would do videos of breaking news like for like wow. locally i think it was it, uh, so it was it was really cool to learn about all these things i did not know about or you know learning about the relationship my mom and her mom had which i never got to meet my grandma on that side so there are such great heartfelt stories you hear and then there's some deeper things too but i think that the deeper things too are really beautiful because it's mm-hmm. like it's it's really um will change your perspective i would say
0: yeah. Wow, that's, that's great. Um, to, to pivot a little bit away from the book, um, you also teach people personal branding. And I guess recently you're at the New York Public Library and you did a seminar that you developed at Cal State Long Beach on the ethical principles of marketing yourself. And what are the basic uh, principles you shared in this?
1: Yeah, so I wanted to create something that wasn't necessary, necessarily marketing as in what you'll find out of a textbook. I want to share my own journey and what I have done to become successful in my ways um, with really honing in on how to be intentional with what you're branding and being genuine and authentic when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times people feel uncomfortable with marketing or branding themselves. Um, but it's not about that. It's about really being confident in what you care about or what, whether that's a service, a product, a community you're building, um, you know, your social media, whatever it is, getting so comfortable with what you love that you want to share that um, and how to do it in an authentic way. Um, so I think that's really important because oftentimes, I think a lot of us, um especially women, feel like we don't want to brag about this or we don't want to talk about this. But it's not about bragging. It's about self-advocacy mm-hmm. and being really proud of something you want to share. So when you can get really intentional of why do you want to share this? Why do you want to brand this? like that is going to help someone um, go so much further when you are very, very clear with what your intention is of the why.
0: Mm. That's great yeah I, I could see where it many people are uncomfortable putting themselves out there or creating a quote brand uh, They might feel that it's being narcissistic or uh, not genuine or there's a whole bunch of I guess yeah. natural blockages that we have towards kind of putting yourself out there and I, and I'd assume uh, they're much greater if someone is a woman uh, and especially if they're um, you know a person of color as well. Uh, that there's a whole bunch of barriers with that. Were there any DEI elements that were in your presentation?
1: Yeah, I think that it's so important to, um, you know, I'm a huge advocate of DEI <laughs> and B. Um, and um, I think it's really important to be inclusive and, you know, look at the whole picture and really um, diversify, you know, what you are um trying to brand and market. So for instance, you know, when there's things that I'm doing that I want to, for for example, I do, I started a woman's circle and, you know, a huge part of that, um, marketing, I will say in quotes, is that I wanted people to feel like they belong. So when I'm mm-hmm. talking about this woman's circle I created, I, I said, you know, anyone can join, you know, no matter who you are, um, what background, um, what race you are, because, I think that there's a sense of people feeling that they don't belong. And I always want to make sure that people do feel like they belong no matter um, who they are as Mm -hmm. a person and what background they come from, what ethnicity they are. So I think that's important as well to always have that for everyone to feel like they're included in.
0: Wow. Uh, What's a common topic that you have in this women's group that a lot of women are dealing with?
1: Yeah. You know, there's a few. It's so interesting right now. So I would say one, um, One topic that's huge is that I think a lot of women are struggling trying to do it all, in quotes. (laughs) And and realizing we're we not, we can't, and no one else is too. But I think a lot of women are comparing each other so on social media or their perception. So they're all thinking, oh my gosh, everyone's doing well except for me. When Mm. in reality, everyone's just trying to figure it out and doing their best. Um, Another topic I've been seeing or that's been brought up a lot is people are trying to figure out their purpose right now. A lot of women are figuring out like, what am I, I've been in this job for five to 20 years and I don't even like it. And I've spent so much time and I want to do something else so different or something on the side. So I think women right now, there's a huge shift where it's, where people, women's values are being questioned and redetermined, I would say, as in they're thinking, okay, well, I used to care about money and a title, but now I really care about you know, um, plants and animals or yeah. <laughs> my candles I'm making or, you know, creating impact in this way or whatever it is. And so, um, I'm seeing a huge shift right now where women are trying to rediscover who they are.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I feel like my life has taken the opposite journey. I think when I was younger, oh, I yes. was, I was more about the art and now I'm mm-hmm. more about the money. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to I've done enough good in this world. Now it's time to make money. But, um, so, uh Nancy, let's see here. So you also work at my uh alma mater, Cal State Long Beach. I uh got a communications degree there many many years ago, and you help people trans uh, uh sorry, they transition from college into the professional world. And what's the best advice that you have for these young people who are going into, uh, make, you know, going into the uh Bright lights, big city, professional world. What do you telling Yeah, them?
1: my alma mater too and go beach. Yeah. And um, I would say, you know, there's so many values that will still, um, are still just so valuable in a young person's life and in everyone's life. And a couple of them is one, putting yourself out there and really, um, you know, if you have fear of something to, you don't have to try to suppress it or, Um, get rid of your fear, but just lean into it and know, hey, this is where opportunities and uncomfortableness happens in this growth. And so putting yourself out there is um, a huge thing that I teach them with how to do that. And two, gratitude. I think Mm. no matter what in life, having gratitude in life will always get you opportunities and will always get you more opportunities. You know, being grateful for someone's time, being grateful for someone's you know, energy that they give you to open a door for you, um, to help you on your resume, to help you as a referral as a job, to ask you to go to a networking event. And showing that gratitude is so important. And I I know for a fact that my success today in every part of my life is because I truly have gratitude, one, and two, I really express that gratitude.
0: Oh, that's big. Because it almost, it doesn't matter if you have something or don't, if you're not grateful for it. Yes. Right? It's... Doesn't mean all the money in the world, and if you're not grateful for it, then you just want the next buck, right? And uh, and, and nothing is ever enough. I've I've been thinking about this a lot because I have a friend of mine named Dr. Carl Totten, who is a Taoist priest, and he mm. always says, Todd, he says, have an attitude of gratitude, which sounds cheesy, but mm. I think it's true. And I try to think like when I'm laying in bed at night, like what am I grateful for? Like just get, let's get recentered. What's working in life, and what do I need to appreciate that I have? Uh, you know, uh, not taking things for granted. So I, that's a big thing. And I wish that when I was finishing college, someone told me that, and I didn't really figure it out till I was forty years old. So you're you're helping some yeah, babies no, I- right now, Nancy.
1: <laughs> no, I, I get that, and luckily, you know, I was told that, and if I wasn't. Told that I would not be where I'm at, and that's why I really do feel you know the love of giving back. But you know what? I'm 36 as well, and I still feel like I'm figuring out life day by day. Mm. It's so funny you say that, like, you are opposite of where you're um, artistic and then now you care about money because yeah. I've heard that too. It's like a lot of <laughs> people are just flipping the switch, you know, of <laughs> exactly that. So, but well, you know,
0: which is great. It's kind of funny. It's like I have some friends that were lawyers, right? And they got out of. College and they became lawyers. And then, after about 10 years, 12 years of that, they were so burnt out and they went from this working, you know, 70 hours a week thing to I'm now going to be a psychologist. I'm going to be a life coach. I'm going to, and they all went the opposite direction. So, you know, I don't know whether it's grass is greener or, you know, you have enough, you can have enough of something and, and want something new and we all evolve and change, right? Absolutely. Uh, so, Nancy, it's been a wonderful time speaking with you today. Uh, where can people follow you or learn more about what you're doing? Uh, what's the best, pe- best way for people to get involved uh, with, with all the different things you're doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Um, it's Nancy Luong, L-U-O-N-G, 17. Um, and then you can find me on LinkedIn at Nancy Long 17 as well. And happy to connect with anyone.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Nancy. And um, hopefully we can have you back. There's a lot more that uh, I wanted to get into on this show today. But uh, maybe if you're free, sometime in the future, it'd be great.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you. PR360 was produced by Todd Perry in partnership with Global Results Communications. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review wherever you get podcasts. Follow GRC on all socials at Global Results. Follow Todd on Twitter at ToddAperry. That's Todd with 1D. Talk to you next week.